You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Tuesday afternoon. And since it's Tuesday, we're talking about something that's food and drinks related. And today is no exception. And I'd like to welcome back on the program, whiskey expert, John Rhodes. Welcome back on the program, John. It's great to see you today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much, Noreen. How are you? Yes, I'm very well. Doing very well. We're in the new studio. It's nice and sunny outside. And for those of you who are tuning in via the radio, uh, maybe you can be viewers today and join us on Facebook. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3 is the page to go to. You'll be able to see John this afternoon in his very beautiful shop and surrounded by interesting whiskey glasses because I think that's a topic of today, choosing whiskey glasses and other accessories. Yep, it sure is. Um, how, how important uh, is choosing the, the right glass to appreciate whiskey, John? Uh, it depends on the whiskey, kind ah. of. Uh, you know, it's like asking how long's a piece of string. It's the same question <laughs> about ice and water and things like that, right? Um, but it basically, it's yeah. There's this. Let's say with the advent of modern era single malt drinking, uh, by which I mean, like in the last like, 15 years or so, um, where there's been a huge uptake in it. It goes hand in hand with like uh, the development of the whis- the whiskey glass, uh, which is uh, obviously on a Scottish sort of fan. Um, so I go for that. Uh, so you know, Scotland has its official whiskey glass. Um, but there are other types. Scotland? Wait, wait, wait. Time, Scotland has its own official whiskey glass? Oh, it's like the official, yes, 100% the official whiskey glass of Scotland. Um, that's been on the go for about 20 years. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, describe we'll get it to, to that. We'll okay, to we'll that get to that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. It's, it's, uh, it's very much uh, of the, let's say, the modern era, but it sort of harks back to about, uh, in some ways, you could say almost oh, 3,000 years ago. Um, you know, if you describe it, you know, if, it if we didn't have the video and I was only describing it, uh, we could do it like that. But uh, in terms of like glass, of course, history lesson, or not history lesson, bit of history. When did glasses first start? Glassware started in Egypt uh, or around that area, well, three and a half thousand years ago, approximately. Uh, so that was only for like nobility and everything like this. And they would put glass vessels. They were, they were more like vessels rather than what we would call a glass as in a drinking glass. Uh, and it was just for nobility. Uh, then let's fast forward a little, you know, a few hundred years or so. Well, 1,002, 1,000 years. Um, we'll get back to, let's say, uh, really, I'm going to go forward to, into England, so for around the 1400s, because that's, that's like, like getting into the modern, relatively speaking, modern times. Uh, so glassmaking really happened from uh, immigrants, let's say, from Germany, France, that sort of Lorraine, Alsace-Lorraine area. Uh, and they would make uh, a type of a tumbler. So a tumbler is just basically, uh, it's just round, solid. Uh, it has a profile that looks like a rectangle when you look at it. From sort of side. straight up and, and down. Yeah. Straight up and down, not particularly tall. Um, and this is what uh, were fashioned by those guys. Um, and then after that, and that's, I think that's called a Waldegras uh, style uh, because of that sort of French, German origins. Then after that, it was people who came in from Italy, which Italy didn't exist as Italy in those days, but it was like the Venice area, so Venetian glass. Uh, so oh, then you started very to famous. get proper glass. Venetian work. glass, yes. Very famous, um, and that's you know that was these were people bringing in that style of glass making into England at the time. 
Um, and that's kind of like in the beginnings of, of uh, I would say, let's say drinking vessels, uh, if you want to call them that. Then after that, you've got a guy called uh, George Ravenscroft who uh, patented the idea of putting lead into glass. Uh, and you had crystal, and that's lead crystal. Uh, and he is, he is um, yeah, going back to 1640s or something like that for him. But that's only used in the uh, stem, isn't the lead came only? Up with this idea because glass is so hard. Uh, so when you put lead into it, uh, the old glass, like glass glass, is, is not particularly clear uh, compared to a lead crystal glass. So the lead, for some reason, gives it clarity, but it also makes it easier to work in terms of cutting it and shaping it. Uh, so this is it made it softer, if you will. I read so somewhere that when they added, I read somewhere that when they added the lead in the glass to make crystal, it could lead to lead poisoning, and that's why people would sort of drink and then they'd sort of faint, if you like, and then they'd wake up days later. That's how. That's why they have wakes because people would wake up uh, from their sort of quote unquote um, alcohol I poisoning. I personally think that's more of a drinking binge. Uh, binge than, <laughs> than the lead. Um, I, lead accumulates in your system. I don't think you can just like hoof down a whole lot of lead infused alcohol and then you, unless it's really was leaching into it that badly. Um, I think lead, that whole thing was lead. There's definitely a thing for it. Uh, if you put alcohol into one of the old, old lead decanters, yeah, you're, you're going to get some leaching into it. But you have to let it sit there. It's not like a, an immediate thing. Um, you know, it takes time. Uh, and then, of course, let's see, maybe 1700s, 1800s, whenever lead is a problem because of lead pipes. Uh, so let's say Edwardian Victorian times and so on, uh, people started using piping. And that's they use lead, so they drank from that as well. Uh, and that's, that would have been another influence of lead poisoning. But yeah, that's, that's, that was in the history of it. Modern decanters, they, they, they basically they have a lining on the inside of them uh, to stop that. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't get the certification from places like the European Union for, um, you know, safe for use for human consumption, basically. Uh, so, you know, things have moved on a bit. Uh, but they still use lead as lead crystal. Uh, it gives a nice, very nice shot. I clarity. think only for the stem. So, oh, OK, uh, maybe for the I'm not sure. I'm not oh. entirely sure. Um, no, for, I'm thinking like decanters, tumblers, the whole lot. Mm. Uh, you know, you can get that. Um, so, but... Going back to, to, let's say, I suppose, whiskey. Uh, we're going back into that and the choice of that. Uh, yeah, so George Ravencroft did his thing. Um, and then I think some of the first drinking glasses that uh, would come out in history were, and I've got a sort of uh, modern-day example of it. Now, this is like uh, a trumpet shape, let's say, for those who haven't got the video. Um, or it's like a flute. It's uh, like so a flute, yes. So you've got quite yes. a narrow base. Uh, and it comes out, comes out, and it just goes, continues straight out until you hit the rim. Like an ice cream um, and cone. That, it is. Yeah, basically. Uh, it's like that. Um, and that's a great toasting glass. This is actually called a Jacobite glass. So I'm not quite sure if you can actually catch that from the, in the background there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we could see. Yeah, it sort of looks like that, an ice cream that, that cone with a base. Like What's yeah. it called again, John? So this is a... Well, this particular one is called an ice cream. Uh, sorry. <laughs> now you've got me going. It's like, all right, it's, it's summertime. It's ice cream and I'm hot. Anyway, um, so, yeah, you've got that. And you've got, if you can see inside the stand, there's a little bit of, uh, basically, it's like air bubble twists. Oh, it's very intricate. So it's quite intricate. Um, and this is a Jacobite glass because this is named after Bonnie Prince Charlie. Um, and so I'll... It was like after 1746, there was a little incident between the Scottish and the English just outside Inverness. 
Uh, and that, that is the last major sort of incident with anger uh, that involved rifles and people dying and things. Um, but after that, that was it. End of Pony Prince Charlie, end of rebellion, all this kind of thing. But they were uh, supporters of him. Um, and they used these glasses to toast him. Uh, so this is one of the earliest sort of toasting glasses that are well known for its shape. Uh, and um, uh, and they were kind of became a little bit of a thing, a little bit illegal. They had special designs on the stems, uh, so they were a little bit of a secretive thing. Uh, so that was uh, that was, let's say, one of the earlier toasting glasses. But generally speaking, people would still use like a, a tumbler style. I'd love for our listeners to join us if you can. Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. You'll be able to see John Rhodes, whiskey expert, uh, sharing a wide range of glasses uh, for whiskey appreciation. By the way, we, we'd love um, actually to get our listeners to uh, submit their, their topic of choice. If you'd like John to talk about a particular um, alcohol-related topic, um, gin or whiskey or anything else, feel free to suggest it uh, this afternoon on the Facebook page and We'll, we'll look into it and perhaps that can be our next topic yeah we're coming up to gin season uh, as I like to call it so yeah but uh, <laughs> yeah and there are there are glasses for gin uh, yeah we, <laughs> I didn't bring those actually we can talk about um, gin glasses so anyway. next time there, there's one because I've, ah, seen the, yeah. I've seen the massive fishbowl shape ones which oh, it's like a big one right yeah okay well yeah we'll save it save it for next time <laughs> We'll save it for next time. So, okay, so I've got another one. So we were talking about tumblers. That's just straightforward one. And then we sort of go forward in time a few hundred years. And then, of course, we've got, let's say, like a tumbler. So that was the one I was saying. It's like very similar to that. Uh, this is this is actually a lead crystal one. So it's got a heavy base and it's been scalloped. So it's a little bit sort of like more fancy. Um, and that's, your, that's what you call just a rocks class or a rocks tumbler. Uh, and that's, that's quite, that was like a very, very common glass for people to drink whiskey on the rocks uh, and, and away you go. Yeah, that, that's the one that you uh, put that's, that's, ice in the whiskey, to, well, whiskey on the rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You can put that. And certainly some whiskeys do go better with ice. There's no question about it. I've come across, actually, since the last time I talked, or no, at least in the last year and a half to two years, I've come across more whiskeys which I've now realized actually go really well with a, a single big clunk of ice. Yes, um, I've seen those massive circular under. big blob of ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But of They're course, quite good. Yeah, but of course sometimes we see whiskey with those metal ice cubes that don't melt. They just sort of cool down the alcohol. I've seen more and more of that in recent years. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's... It brings... I, I don't, I've not tried those ones. Um, I've, tried, uh, I've tried the stones. Oh, yeah. yeah I've tried those it. ones. That's but I try and find it's just hard to get them because you, if you get a stone, they're made out of soapstone, um, and they are you know if you get the bigger ones, they they work best rather than the small ones. They they warm up very quickly, um, but the big ones you can't go beyond a certain size because you're going to get a temperature differential between hot and cold or, or room temperature, and they'll tend to sort of start cracking. Uh, so there's they can't go beyond a certain size, um, but they are great. You know I I think they're quite they're quite good, but Again, I, I like that big ball of ice that sits like sort of like all around the edges of the tumbler. It's like boom, great. And it looks cool. Uh, so they're good, and that's that's what was very common. Then we start to go into let's say the world of sherry, and this is a sherry copita. So how would you describe that? It's like a fairly oblong lemon with one top cut off, shoved onto a stem. <laughs> Would that be the best description of that? That's uh, that'd be sort of similar like that. I think so. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but a transparent lemon, obviously. Uh, so yeah, this is what this is, and this is a sherry capita. It's it's it was used in the sherry industry, still is, uh, and it's used for nosing it. Now, this is where we get into, let's say, more technical glass. It's like a mini wine glass. It's like a mini white wine glass, uh, you know, with a long stem that you don't want to warm up the whiskey if you're holding it in your hand. So, Yeah, Uh, but bearing in mind, this was made for sherry. Uh, But it's the same thing. No, it's absolutely the same thing. Um, This one, obviously, when you get the aromas, which is the Jacobite glass, it's fluted outwards. All the aromas is just going to go straight off. It's really for toasting and off you go. You just drink it. This one, because of the shape, uh, where it goes to the opening, it closes in and it goes from the base, the whole length of it, all the way up to the tip. Uh, And that just concentrates the aromas. Uh, And this is where a lot of people use, uh, certainly in the industry, um, they just use that as a nosing glass. And it just pulls out the aromas and flavors, Um, especially master blenders, they'll use a glass similar to this. Um, and it's, you know, they put the whiskey in, they have, they'll nose it, then they'll add water. And quite often, I think they'll add quite a lot of water during the process of nosing it. Um, and that pulls out all the aromas. They write their notes and, and away they go. And that makes sense um, because they might not want to warm it with their hands, you know, because uh, I assume temperature might affect the smell of it a little bit, you know, if you're warming up the glass. So that's why they're holding it by the long stem. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. Very much so. Um, uh, But it also allows, like, you know, you can see the clarity of the glass. Uh, I'm sorry, of the whiskey. So when you pour it, you can hold it easier. You can see what it looks like, as I'm about to demonstrate, Uh, you know, (laughs) never not demonstrate. So there you go. Ah. And this is the sort of thing. And one of the things, like I said, what you look for, I'm not sure you're going to catch that in this camera. But if you do uh, manage to see it, there's a line uh, where I've just created with the whiskey around the edge. And then you just wait. And again, this is like, okay, if you're looking into the whiskey, so there is there is a sort of a line there. And you just create that line by slowly rolling it around the glass and then see oh, what happens yeah. with it. And the legs will start to appear, as they say. Uh, and that's when the whiskey comes down. So if it's a whiskey that's, for example, like this one, which is the blend, so that was a single malt, that's the same. Uh, let's just pick another one. Um, oh, right. Okay, I've run out of glasses. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but I mean, if you have like this one, so we're, we're going to get to this glass later. But ah, if you have is, like that, this is, this quite is a, a blend. Comment. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it. It's uh, it's hard to see. The legs come down uh, much much quicker on that. So the whiskey comes straight, more or less straight down. Do you call it the um, legs? And that's, that's the just, legs come down. I call it the legs, yeah. Some people call it the tears. Um, I, I call it the legs. Um, and what and is that exactly? Just, just the whiskey? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the whiskey. When you put that line around it, it it's, there is whiskey there all around the edge of the glass, but it's looking for a way to come down. It doesn't come down all flat. So it tends to just accumulate together and starts to form droplets. Oh. And those droplets are closer together or further apart. And there's you, that's where you start to get the legs coming down. Um, and that's what you look, you know, you can, it tells you how thick the whiskey is, basically. And that's what people look for, uh, you know, in, in whiskeys and single malts and so on. Maybe it's uh, kind so of it like that. gives you a hint of what the whiskey's yeah. like. Maybe it's kind of like that thin meniscus, you know, that, you know, because, you know, water tension, you have that. Maybe alcohol have one as well. So I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm talking out of my bum. Um, yeah, there's, yeah. Uh, what's that? Surface tension, the Surface right? tension, um, yeah. There's a certain amount of surface yeah. tension. But because whiskey is, is more viscous than water. 
So of course you're going to get that uh, more surface tension, uh, and and it just gives you an idea of how viscous the whiskey is, how thick it is. History and science—that's so, what you get when we get John joining us. <laughs> it's an us. amalgamation. <laughs> I, yes, it is. It's an amalgamation of science, art, and just uh, people uh, messing around for a few thousand years. Uh, so yeah, you know, it comes to a head at some point. Um, so this this whiskey, uh, sorry, this is the, the sherry Capita glass. Then we get to this one, and I think this is one that most people will recognize um, if, yes. if you're like a whiskey drinker. So yeah, no, this is so this is Scotland's official whiskey glass. It's, 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 it is actually named after the company. I'm allowed to sort of say that. So that's the shape of it. That's what it looks like. It's got a nice stubby base. Uh, so it was actually designed for pubs in Glasgow uh, because uh, it was a bit more robust than a stand glass. It's kind of like now, a tulip. Is, Looks like a tulip. It is. It is like a tulip shape. Uh, so when you've got the capita and you've got these next to each other, so you've got uh, the base of the, the beginnings of, let's say, the lemon, but then it starts to go in a bit sharper. Now, this is, again, for people who haven't got the video. So it goes in a bit uh, quicker, let's say, around uh, from the middle of it, so to speak, and it starts to go into a, a more sort of straight up and down uh, opening. Um, but it is pretty much like, a, a let's say, an unopened tulip. Uh, something along those lines um and this one is designed where the whiskey gets filled to the widest part of the base uh, and then you uh allow the aromas to come up and what it does is it it tries to keep the alcohol down uh, but let the aromas come up um whereas this one it does everything and it actually concentrates aromas more than this one so this was the beginnings of the design of that uh and that's what that one does um, and you then get the miniature one, and these are just these are quite fun, right? Uh, but what these things are is they intensify the aromas on the lighter fragrance whiskies more so than here. Uh, so if you're really looking for that, then you use one of those. Uh, so they they can do that. It's 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 a strange little sort of situation, um, and that sort of kind of takes us into where we are now. So those are the glasses. Um, we have the fun ones, of course, or the professional ones, if you want to call them that which is these ones. They're blue. Um, they're designed totally, uh, you know, uber Scottish, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's not like that. It's, it's really to do with uh, you can't tell the color of the whiskey in there. Yeah. You can, if you got against a light, obviously I don't think you're going to catch that. You, oh, yeah, you can see my shirt against it, but you can see liquid in there. So you can see the legs. You can see, you know, what it does, but you can't tell the color of it. So when you're doing a blind tasting, these are all pre-poured. Um, you can't you can't look at the color and it gives you no idea. So you're doing purely on the flavor uh, and the aromas and so on. And then there's a sherry one as well. So you know, so you, you, you got that. And these are really used in blind tastings, real blind tastings. Um, and preferably if you're doing it, say, uh, like in competitions or whatever. But they also look at the color as part of assessing and, and judging that. So these are a little bit of fun, um, but yeah. Very interesting. That makes uh, sense because get... it's blue and you can't tell the color of the whiskey. So it's perfect for blind tasting. Yeah. I mean, when I was, when I really did get into, started to get into whiskeys, oh, this was in the late eighties, I suppose. Um, and that was still quite young. I don't know if anyone remembers these things anymore. Uh, do you recognize that at all? They look a bit like wine. That looks a bit like a wine glass, to be honest, like a white wine glass. That's but, all you could get. I mean, in those days, it, this is it's called a Paris goblet. 
um, Paris goblet. It is. It's, it's, it's a Paris goblet. If you look up, Google up Paris goblet, that's what you get. And that was like the wine glass. It's the most commonest kind of shape of glass that was around. Um, nowadays, when you go into wine, you've got Bordeaux glasses, you've got Burgundy glasses, you've got all sorts. You've got huge, big balloons. Prosecco and, glasses, know, flutes. Tremendous. Yeah. yeah. And they work. Uh, you know, they, they all work and they, they bring out the aromas in their own way and so on. They're very, very elegant. Um, but these these uh, Paris goblets were what I remember in the pubs, uh, you know, even the, uh, let's say, not the greatest pubs in the world in Scotland, um, where you could have, uh, you know, you'd have a whiskey or you'd have like a traditional thing was a half and half, right? Yeah. Uh, so you get a half of shot of whiskey and a half pint of uh, beer next to each other. So it's, it's kind of a local thing. But, you know, if you'd have that, it was, it was done in the, the Paris goblets. Um, and... Uh, you know, the guys who developed this is like they realized that all there was was either Paris goblets, uh, a straightforward tumbler. That's... Um, uh, or you could, if you could, you could find these sherry glasses, but people did see them as a sherry glass. Uh, so That's more sophisticated than, thing. yeah, back in the day when I was a poor student, John, I, we had two types, and the pub I worked part-time in, we had two types of glasses, those tumbler for people who just drank whiskey straight or on the rocks, or one of those long, tall, skinny glasses where people would mix, I don't know, um, uh, Southern Comfort and Coke or something or whatever. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I gave you that oh, example. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but... no, no, that, that just takes me back to a very specific point in, in uh, teenage years. And <laughs> well, it wasn't pleasant. <laughs> we'll have to have you share that experience another time then. Uh, John, always, okay. always such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for sharing the different types of glasses uh, for, for whiskey appreciation and perhaps what we'll have our listeners try to suggest uh, other topics that they'd like you to talk about. Yeah, go but for it. Next okay. time, maybe we can talk about gin glasses. Meanwhile, thank you so yeah, much for your time, John. Until next time, thank you. Right. <laughs> Bye for <Cheers>. now. <laughs>